Welcome to another edition of Baseball and Beyond. This is Brad Strobinger, your podcast friend. Thank you for joining me as always. Cardinals have been out of town a lot since that first week, so I uh, plan on getting some newer interviews coming up here throughout the summer. But it's always fun to look back, right? Always fun to have a, a little bit of a best of show. And um, a lot of this stuff that I'm going to play today is from things I did for the cable access show, Sports Talk Weekly. You can look all of that information up on what I used to do on bradsportspage.blogspot.com. And that kind of gives you the information back about what I was doing back in the day, creating a cable access show out of my parents' house. And uh, basically got to start doing interviews by going to baseball card shows and got some press passes going. So it it all worked out and it was fun. And So I'm going to play some of those fun old interviews and uh i think the best part is when you get yelled at and so this this is the most famous clip that i have and so i haven't put it out on a podcast but i figured this is a good week to do it i haven't put out anything new in a while since the ryan dempster interview so this is um the first clip is going to be uh johnny bench my most famous clip on youtube it's got i think almost three hundred thousand views so i'm proud of that and uh, I just sat down with Johnny after uh, he signed some some uh, baseballs and baseball cards for about two hours. And this is back in 1996 and just having a normal conversation. And then I bring up the subject of Pete Rose, which I thought was just a ho-hum question. But as you'll hear, old Johnny didn't like it. So let's take a listen to that. Baseball history teams uh, looked at the 1970s and your big red machine. Where does that team rank in the annals of baseball history? Is it one of the greatest? Is it the greatest? Well, I don't know about is it the greatest. We think it was, but uh, because, I mean, that's selfish reasoning, but it was one of the greatest. It was a team that everybody liked, respected for the way we were and the professionals that we had. And and I think it goes without speaking you know, to a lot of people that they really enjoyed coming and watching the big red machine. So. Our legend will live on for a long time, whether we're the best or not. doesn't affect us now at this point. Game six, uh, Pete Rose called it one of the greatest games ever. Do you think it was one of the greatest games, even though you lost? What a great game it was, Carlton Fisk hitting the homer. Well, it was great, but I no, I wanted to get it over with. I, I didn't want to play a game seven. I didn't want the chance that we could lose. We lost two World Series, so I didn't want to take a chance that we were going to lose another World Series. I mean get this thing over with as quick as possible. So, I mean, was it great? No, we blew a 6-3 lead, and then we uh, have opportunities, and Dwight Evans makes that catch out in right field, or they'd never heard of, you know, of, of the home run, and lots of things that go along with it. But, hey, I got the ring now, so I'm happy. Pete Rose, we talked about him. Is he a Hall of Famer? Should he be in the Hall of Fame in your mind? Oh. Uh, well, what's the rules? Do you know the rules yeah, of the game? I mean, then I've, why are you asking me? I want to know if you think you think he it should has be. nothing to do with me. He broke the rules. He's not on the eligible list. What do you want to do? Create a new list or create new rules for the game of baseball? When is this thing done? I mean, he's got six years to apply. Why am I involved in this? I just thought if you played with him and you saw what he did on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't matter what you did. There's rules that you follow. Do you have rules on the on communications here? Yes. Do you know what you can say and do? What happens if you break the rules? thrown off. Okay, that's the way the game is. I hope Pete Rose gets in the Hall of Fame. He'll get in because of what he did on the field, but he also, if he doesn't, he'll get in, he won't get in because of what he did off the field. Okay. Now, baseball today, you look at the, the teams. What catcher do you, you catch you like? Um, like Charles Johnson a lot, Piazza, uh, Rodriguez. Of course, I love to watch Bagwell and a few things, but uh, I've uh, 
baseball's still good. You just got to find the good stuff. I hate to say I peaked when I was 20 years old, but I did that interview when I was 20, and it's my favorite interview, still is, of all time. So maybe I did peak back then, but whatever. Great clip from Johnny Bench. I can't wait to run into him again and do that same interview once again. Also, you have to see the video because <laughs> he rolls his eyes, and he's dressed like Gilligan. It's it's just a classic piece of video. I hope you go take a look at it. Uh, Johnny Bench angry. Just Google that, and that shows up. So let's get some more hits on that piece of video. Now, another guy that uh, was a little tough to deal with when he was a player, actually was just awesome afterwards, though, is Mark McGuire. And uh, I think you've heard people talk about this, but during 1998, this is a funny story. I thought it'd be fun to get some sort of one-on-one someday with Mark McGuire. It was 1998, and the guy was just the biggest thing since sliced bread, and and there was really no chance to do this before games or after games, but on this day, the Cardinals lost seven to two or seven to three to the Marlins. It was a Thursday afternoon game, and even those back in those days, those games weren't even on TV. And but he hit two home runs, and uh, there wasn't a lot of media there, and so he walks to to a stall, and he says, uh, "Hey guys, I'm not talking about the home run." So I look at my trusty camera guy and good friend Kevin Cloninger, who's a big fan of the show as well. And he says, why don't you um, just ask him about going back to Philadelphia? That's the first place he played as a Cardinal. I'm like, oh, okay, we'll try that, see what happens. So, again, this video is on YouTube. I ask him that question, and all things go bad after that. So uh, here's a listen to Mark McGuire. Going back to the vet where you uh... – no? What about? I mean, well, it's the first it's where you played the first time when you were at the Cardinals. I mean, you've already any... been back there before, but son. you're going back. But I mean, is there anything? <laughs> Come on, man! You got to think of a better question than that. All right. Well, yeah. <laughs> offense, offense is struggling. I mean, after the 13 to 4 win, what was the difference today? Obviously, his his use pitched well. Struggling, really? That's your assumption. The offense is struggling. Just today, obviously today he had some good stuff, but uh, against Atlanta had some problems too. <sighs> Sometimes you guys don't have, you guys don't, do you guys watch the game very well? Have you watched all our games this year? Yeah, but today it was, it was tough today. That's right. So why would you assume the offense is struggling? Well, and the last couple against Atlanta and some of the. That's in the past, son. The past is the past. Do you live in the past? I don't. It's over with. Okay. Hey, I'm sorry. All right. I don't want to make you angry. Well, I got to. <laughs> no, I understand. I understand. I like to talk about things that are real. So Big Mac says, we're not here to talk about the past. And, and I think we heard that again. Uh, oh, yeah, 2005 in front of Congress. But uh, Kevin and I always have a good laugh about that because he said, well, I only told you to ask the Philadelphia question. I didn't say to start talking about the offense struggling. But, man, I felt like a, a boxer just getting pounded. I was in the ropes, and I'm like, McGuire is going to beat me up. The man was massive. And honestly, I never really had any other problems with him. Um, and I, to look back, yeah, those were stupid questions. And sometimes there was so much media around him, I could understand why you got some dumb kid with his buddy, probably dressed to, you know like idiots in 1998, and we got a home movie camera with a, a Radio Shack microphone plugged in, and Big Mac was just not having it that day. And I got to be honest, I, uh, I definitely got to know him better as, as when he was a coach and. I feel like we have a pretty good relationship, and I, I am. I think it's funny to see how he's changed, and I think he'll be a manager someday. So hopefully, you enjoyed that. More, more of these to come. Um, but also, I enjoyed Brett Hall. 
Brett Hall did a lot of interviews back in the day, and I'm still trying to track him down for a new one. But I think that these give you the essence of uh, what he was feeling at the exact time of the interviews. And so I went back and checked, and there's two of them right here that uh, that kind of make me laugh. There's uh, the first part here is going to be right after the season that um, Mike Keenan was let go, and he talks about that and scoring his 500th goal. And then right into that, I'm going to give you the interview that I did right after that season when he decided, uh, well, he didn't decide, the Blues decided to let him go, and he went and signed with Dallas. And Brett was always fun to listen to. But like I said, these these take you back to exactly what he was feeling in the moment. So I always enjoyed talking to Brett. Brett was so good to me. He was a superstar. But uh, as you'll hear, he, he watched the stupid cable access show that I was doing, which made me laugh, complimented me, which is always fun. So uh, here, here's some Brett Hall stuff, um, starting with uh, uh, an interview I did with him in 1997, both at golf courses. Now, we will try to stay away from the one subject, but everybody has to ask you all the time. What, those final days there uh, in December, when uh, everything kind of just blew up, what, what, were you, what were you going through? Because you were having trouble scoring, and uh, it just seemed like everything was coming to a head right then. And what was that like for you? Well, it was awful. I, I was, it was wasn't only scoring it was uh, it was off the ice it was uh, my life was miserable and I was just uh, I couldn't play because it was just the game wasn't fun to play anymore uh, and I could really considered uh, actually quitting and just saying like I can't take this anymore I'm just gonna retire but I don't know if it ever would have got to that point thank God it never did but uh, you know we made the changes and uh, coach Q is here and he is just fantastic and I'm just so looking forward to the season coming up. It's unbelievable. We'll get into that in a second, but uh, the, I'll, I hope you remember this date, December 22nd. Now, what happened is I went to that game. I got there late, and I was, it was December 22nd, so it was right around Christmas time. I said, I'm not going to stick around. You had two goals, and then you had the third goal, but you knew it wasn't number 500. Right. Talk about that night just a little bit, because you hadn't scored. You were in 497 for so long, yeah. and then you scored four. Actually, three, but uh, well, talk I, about that. I only had uh, 12 goals up to that point in the season, and then... It just seemed like nothing was going right, and then uh, that night, uh, or that day, I think, uh, uh, I can't remember who it was, but a friend of mine just told me, you know, you just, it might have been Bernie Federko, he said, you're just not shooting enough. Uh, you got to get it and shoot it. You're making too many plays and waiting too long. So I decided I was going to do that, and first couple times I got the puck that night, I just went and shot it, and the one went off a stick and went in, and then another one went in kind of weird, and I said, gee, maybe he's right, and... Uh, uh, the third one I knew went off of, of uh, uh, Stepan's uh, <laughs> shin pad, but uh, I was glad to get the, the next one. Uh, and then the fans. You've always, it's always been a strange relationship you've had with the fans. They either love you or they're on the other side. What do, what do you think about that relationship you have with them? Because everybody knows that you're going to come out and you're going to say what you think. What do you think about your relationship with the fans that you have? Well, I love the fans of St. Louis, and uh, I don't think you can always, uh, there's very few people who are going to have all the people on their side all the time, and uh, I just think this town's uh, uh, got some really funny media, and uh, <laughs> uh, you just can't believe some of the things that they write, and some people do, and it, it's unfair because uh, they believe that, and uh, half of it's not true, but uh, the fans are great. They've treated me great uh, ever since I've got here, and uh, I, I really wouldn't know what to do if I wasn't playing here. And then you've said many times that I will uh, I will retire if I get traded or whatever. I'm going to stay here in St. Louis, play my career here. You still stand by that? Oh yeah, I just I, you know, it's it's 
it's hard to say that you would uh, maybe retire or not, but I, I couldn't imagine playing anywhere else. I don't want to play anywhere else, and uh, uh, I'm going to do everything in my power to, uh, to finish it here. Larry Plow has said that uh, there's no untouchables on the team, but you you probably know that anyway, right? Do you do you feel bad when you hear something like that where he says there's no untouchables or well, no, trade anybody? I mean, he, you know, that's just a general statement, and I think uh, he's right to say that. Uh, and uh, but uh, I think obviously if you're going to have uh, a successful hockey team, you're going to have to keep some of the people around that are going to make you successful. So uh, no, I think that's good. I think it kind of keeps everyone on their toes and doesn't let anyone get. Uh, uh, too complacent. Joe Quinville, what do you think of them so far? They're, they're well, you know, I've kind of known Larry for a long time. He used to play against my dad in the, the WHA, but uh, uh, Coach Q, I think, is just outstanding, and he's a lot of fun to play with. This year, what's going to happen? Are, we gonna, are you going to finally hoist that cup? I, we're going to try. You, know, you can never tell, so it's anyone's ball game right now. Do you see the show? Yeah, all the time I watch it. Do you think it's all right? Or? I think it's fantastic. Now, is it you guys are probably the smartest media, ah. sports media guys in the in the city. The other guys are dense. I'm gonna cry, Fred. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. We're gonna miss you so much because you were our soundbite. You uh, you did what nobody could do for hockey in St. Louis. All the goals, 500 goals. Let's start when you came here from Calgary. What did you think? How did you think the career was gonna go? Obviously, you're a young guy there. You had that reputation of being Bobby Hull's son. What did you think would happen here in St. Louis? I had no idea. I uh, honestly didn't even know uh, what the St. Louis Blues were when I got traded, you know. So I uh, uh, I just wanted a chance to play, and St. Louis was giving me that chance. And I was uh, very uh, pleasantly surprised and uh, excited to play. And uh, as things progressed, it just got better and better. And the, the fans treated me like I was born and raised here from day one, and that's what really made it special. Favorite moments? I know we, we don't have much time because you got to get out and golf today, and you know you're a hacker. We know that, but uh, yeah, let's get three of your top favorite moments. I don't know. You know, I, there's just too many to pick three out. Uh, I think uh, the first day playing in St. Louis obviously is one. I think uh, all the great times in between, uh, all the great times we had, and unfortunately the third one will be the way I'm leaving. So let's talk about that a little bit. What? At the beginning of the season, was there, I mean, concerted effort by you guys to come? Because I know at the beginning, the offer was very low. Yeah, it was, it was embarrassing low. And uh, right there, we knew the writing was on the wall, that they had no intention. And, uh, you know, we were nice. You know, they kept throwing these silly offers at us. And instead of just telling them to go below, and when you come up to the, to the numbers you're supposed to be at, call us. We just we went and uh, listened to what they had to say. and. Uh, it just never got serious on their part. So when that offer came, it was pretty much that was it. I mean, you knew then. Was oh, that? Yeah. Was I mean, was that? Was there one point? Was that the one point when you said, "I'm not coming back here"? I never said I wasn't coming back. I knew that uh, they didn't want me back. Uh, you know, a player such as myself, if you want him back, you just get the deal done. You don't play the games like they were playing. So when you started talking about, and you never said anything. That was what everybody said about you. Was that you didn't say. You know, I don't want to play here anymore. You were very good about it. Why do you think, you know, did, did they know that you weren't, that you were just completely, I mean, did Mike Barnett say, listen, this is a, this is a bad offer and you better make it better? I mean, was that the last? No, that's what I said. I said you've got to, you know, you're embarrassing with these offers. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, a marquee player. I bring people into the seats and I'm, I'm worth this much on the open market. And if you come up to that point, now we can start talking and, uh, they finally got to that point two days before their deadline, but 
uh, they weren't going to give me a no trade, so it was it was a done deal. I knew it was over from the beginning of the season. Was there a time when the the new management took over when you said there might be problems here? Did you think that was no. good? No, I didn't. Uh, I never thought uh, anything. I just when we first sat down and started talking contract, I knew it was over. Let's talk about the Dallas Stars. You, you're not wearing 16. Uh, Pat Rubik's got it. Do you think you'll be able to wrestle it away from him? No, I don't want it. Uh, I'm a new place, a new team, a new start. Uh, 16 is not important to me. What number do you, do you have? I, mean, I don't even know. I don't, yeah, ask, but. I, I don't know what's available, so I'll just have to wait and see. Um, would you think they'll retire your number? I couldn't care less. Would you like Would you like them to retire your number? I couldn't care less. Did uh, Was there the night, I think it was game four, when the fans booed? Did that bother you? I know we came down and talked oh, to you, and yeah. you said you don't want to be booed. And uh, you know, I've I've loved the fans from day one here, and I always will, and still do. And uh, uh, it hurt a little, but you know, there's uh, I understand where they're coming from. Uh, you know, I, I'd get sick and tired of not winning after a while too, watching all the great players come and go. It just it would get frustrating because I know I was frustrated. So that last game against Detroit, that you knew it was over, right? Oh, yeah. I, I said, unless, uh, barring a miracle, I won't be back. Um, talk about your dad wanted you to maybe go to Chicago, right? <laughs> was that was that ever a serious offer from them? Or? No, never got uh, serious at all. Who all gave you offers? Was it just we, we, we've decided not to say. You know, we, right, uh, just Dallas there was the best. The, Dallas is uh, the best. We picked Dallas, and that's where we're going to leave it. You're going to keep your house here? Nope, selling it. So you're gonna you're gonna leave St. Louis all together, bro. Well, I'm gonna, what are we gonna I'll do? Be, uh? I'll be back to do things like these. You can't stay somewhere 11 years and not remain friends with a lot of people and uh, still love the fans and uh, will always come back and they'll have a special place in my heart. How have they treated you? I mean, you've seen obviously it's been oh, about great. a week. Yeah, great. They've always been great. So uh, it's a uh, hey, hey Cole. <laughs> there goes Soupy's agent right hey, there. Hey, <laughs> Soup. Yeah, so. Um, last question. When you come back here, you're going to be, it's an exhibition game, but then I think November 21st, the first Dallas game. Well, I know, and you say, you know, you had 11 years here. How is that going to feel to walk into the Kiel Center? The uh, place that you, I say you built it, but. I have no idea. You just have to wait and see. Always fun to hear Brett Hall. He was a great soundbite, still is, and uh, a superstar back in the day. That was before the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals weren't really good in the 90s. Brett Hull ran this town, and uh, like I said, he was just so cool to me to have a superstar uh, act treat me like I was just like a real reporter, not some kid with a uh, camera and a microphone. He, he was awesome. So I appreciate Brett spending some time with me over the years, and he's always a fun soundbite. I just love the bluntness. There's no one, no one talks like him. No one did. No one does. Um, so that's pretty awesome. And you know what else is awesome is Masses Restaurant, my favorite restaurant. Oh, my goodness. Have I talked about them yet? I don't know. Five locations in St. Louis. STLMasses.com is the website. That'll show you how to get there, directions, locations, and menus. And you'll sit and look at that menu and go, you know, what do I want? Man, my pizza, man, they got that thin crust St. Louis-style pizza, the Big Al special. I hear Brad talk about that all the time on his podcasts. Maybe I'll have that. Maybe I'll have the beef pepe. That sounds interesting. Boy, that sauce. I've heard Brad talk about that sauce. What about the Cajun pasta? I don't know which one I'm going to choose. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go there every night. I'm just going to go there every night and have something different. So thank you to Massas for being the title sponsor of Baseball and Beyond. And as you know, I'm always looking for more sponsors. One is a lovely thing, but two, three, or four would be even better. 
you know what I'd like to do is just do this for a living. So come sponsor Baseball and Beyond. You know how to do it. Find me on Twitter, at Brad Straubinger. You can find me on Facebook, S-T-R-A-U-B-I-N-G-E-R. That's how you spell my name. You obviously know how to spell my name. You found me here. Thank you to my sponsor, Masses. Always appreciate them, and again, always looking for more sponsors. I'm just, like I said, running through some of my old favorite YouTube clips, and and this one got a lot of play. I'm going to play back-to-back these two clips. Um, Stan Kroenke, I somehow had a small relationship with in 1995 because I did three interviews with him uh, as the Rams were announced coming here. I talked to him the day of the first game, and then I talked to him some other point during his run as owner here. But uh, I just think it's hilarious after hearing – uh, you know him talk about St. Louis as he was leaving. These are his thoughts in 1995, the day the Rams came to St. Louis. And as a bonus, after that, Jerry Jones, the Dallas owner, he'll gush about St. Louis too on a trip he made here. Uh, I think it was 1998 in a preseason game. I had a chance to catch up with him. So this again, uh, clips that get uh, very high views on YouTube. But it's fun to listen to these guys just gush about St. Louis after we know what. Uh, you know what kind of thieves they are? They're just they're just businessmen. That's what they are. So here here it is: Stan Kroenke from 1995, and then Jerry Jones. Right after that, with Stan Kroenke, uh, this must be a big day for you. This your money helped us out a lot. Tell us how you feel today with the Rams coming to St. Louis. Well, I feel very excited, but you know I I know that you can draw the analogy to sports. I mean, we've got to play the last five minutes of the game here. I mean, we, we, we've done well so far, but we've got to continue to work. And this um, task will not be completed until... Um, and if we make a good showing on the PSLs and if we get the vote from the owners, and I think both go hand in hand, I really believe that. Do you think the fans will go out and buy the PSLs? I think they will. I think it's... I mean, I know people, even in Columbia, Outstate Missouri are excited. Some of the people I've talked to are very interested in this team. I talked to some people from Illinois the other night, you know, as far away as Peoria, and they were very interested in getting involved. So I think that the people will support it, and uh, I know it'll be gratifying to me personally if they do because um, it's a question that I've been asked oftentimes in the last year and a half. Do you think St. Louis is really that good a market? And uh, it'll be interesting and, and very gratifying to me if, if the fans prove that to be true. Seemed like there's a time in October when everything was, was kind of going downhill, and then Stan Kroenke's name came up, and everybody was happy. Did it? Did you feel good about what was going on, or did you feel you had to step in and do something? I mean, is that a year ago in October? Or, yeah. Well, no. I mean, I think that you know we we got involved because there was a need, and uh, you know. The, further we got involved the more we learned about it we just felt good about it and and uh, once uh, we were unsuccessful in Chicago I mean we didn't we did uh, just determined that we wanted to carry on through with it and see if we could bring it to a successful conclusion that's what we're still trying to do last question and uh, you're in Mizzou a lot Are we gonna see a big eight champion out there this year <clears throat> well I assume you're talking about basketball <laughs> Well, I think that, you know, that we've got a young team, and, uh, you know, they're doing very well. I mean, I think they're doing better, much better than most people predicted that they would do. I think you got to give a lot of credit to Norm, and you got to give a lot of credit to the players for their showing so far. I think they're ranked 16th this week. 
and uh, only two losses, and those being Arkansas and KU, two of the top programs in the country. So you got to give them a lot of credit. Norm does a wonderful job, and uh, the players are playing real well. And, you know, we'll all enjoy watching them. Whether they win the Big 8, I think it's a big challenge. Kansas is awful good. Iowa State's very good. And there's some other teams out there that are tough, you know. Every year in the Big 8's it's tough. Congratulations, Jim. We look forward to seeing you in St. Louis a lot. Thank you. Welcome to St. Louis. Have, great you, to be have you been here before? Oh, yes. I've spent many years here, actually, and uh, worked here for several years. And so proud of the fan support that you have here for the Rams and uh, the Cowboys. we got a lot of Cowboy fans here. I think St. Louis fans should thank you because you were one of the most vocal owners to get us a team. And every time the, car the St. Louis franchises look for an expansion team or a team to move here. You were one of the most vocal. You thought this is a great football well, team. Well, uh, St. Louis should be in the National Football League. Great fans, great people. Uh, I've got too many relatives and friends in Missouri. I had to be for the Rams being here. But uh, no, all kidding aside, uh, I just wish the Cowboys come up here and play every year. You're a celebrity. What is it like? Everybody out here knows the owner. They yell at you. Do you think the fans are one with you? Do they, do they think that maybe you're the voice of the fans? Well, I, I know that they know how much I appreciate getting to be a part of the sports and getting to get up in the morning, be a part of the future of the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys, and it's better than anything I could have ever deserved, and I just appreciate the opportunity. All I want them to say is that uh, when I'm through that uh, Bull Jerry ran with the ball as hard as he could. Always appreciate the time spent with some of the folks that you heard here on this show today, and it was uh, always fun just being able to run through some of those old interviews. Hopefully you enjoy these. Sometimes I like to break out the old interviews. People seem to like them. More new interviews coming up throughout the baseball season as we continue the Baseball and Beyond podcast uh, brought to you by Masses Restaurants, five locations in St. Louis. You know about them. I talk about them all the time here. Hopefully you've been going there. Tell them that Brad sent you, your podcast friend. Go over to the one in uh, town and country. That's one of my favorite spots these days. Great people to hang out with, the bartenders, the waitresses, the waiters. They're like, Brad, come on, sit down. Toasted ravioli, cheese bread coming your way. What, Cajun pasta? Oh, you want to try fish tonight? Beef pepe? They've got it all. I'll take a Big Al's pizza, too, while I'm there. Masses Restaurants, stlmasses.com. They are the title sponsor of Baseball and Beyond. I appreciate them. I appreciate you listening, and if you're interested in advertising on this podcast that I try to put out as much as I can, hopefully uh, you'd be interested in getting your business involved. So uh, look me up on Twitter at Brad Strobinger. You can email me through the uh, blog page, bradsportspage.blogspot.com. I'm very easy to find. Just Google me, and you can find me, and I'd happily be interested in having you be a part of my podcast. So that's going to do it for this edition and i'll have a new one coming your way very soon keep checking us out and listen to me on blogtalkradio.com sponsors help me out over there too as well so i appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you soon